0: All right, welcome everyone to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and I'm going to start off with a truth. Not that I usually start off with a lie, but I did not know, I'll be honest, I did not know that the Platinum Jubilee that everyone's been talking about for the Queen was the 70th anniversary. I thought it was the 75th, but it turns out that Platinum is actually 70, and that Diamond is 75 because I was going to call the podcast the Platinum Jubilee for the finance world or whatever. Now I got to call it Diamond (laughs) because that's 75 because that's where we are. Jerome Powell made the big announcement on Wednesday that the federal funds rate would jump 75 basis points. And what's amazing is we all knew it was going to happen. But what's really amazing is that a week ago, if you would have asked anybody in finance, economics, politics, even, they would have said 50 basis points. And yet that CPI print comes out. It is not good. And all of a sudden, 75 basis points is now the bottom of what the Fed had to do. And it did it. So the Federal Open Market Committee decided to raise the Fed funds rate by 75 basis points to a benchmark range between 1.5 and 1.75%. Now here's what's amazing. The largest increase in or since 1994. So almost 30 years since we have seen, yes, 30 years because we are in 2022. 1994 was almost 30 years ago. Just got to remind you of that because I'm someone that still thinks 1990 was 10 years ago. <laughs> when does that stop happening? Is that is that always been like that? Or is that just like the millennial change where 2000 became like the default date? But here we are. 1994 was almost 30 years ago. So it was the biggest jump we've almost seen in 30 years. And it was the highest overall rate, like the 1.5 to 1.75, since before the pandemic. So that's what happened with rates. The Fed also announced they will continue reducing its holdings of Treasury securities and agency debt and agency mortgage-backed securities as described in the plans for reducing the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet that were issued in May. I have to wonder if maybe Jerome Powell was looking at what's happening with mortgage rates and he's like, maybe now's not the time to start selling some of these mortgage-backed securities. (laughs) Rates have been on a tear recently on the way up. Today was, or I should say, uh, the end of Wednesday was actually a, wasn't bad for rates, but the last couple of days, it has not been great for mortgage rates. If I'm a Jerome Powell, I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe we don't do anything with the mortgage-backed securities as of right now. Now, it's interesting. 10 of the 11 members of the board were supportive of the 75-bip hike. The lone dissenting voint voint, vote (laughs) was Esser George, who voted for a smaller 50 base. See, I would have thought there might have been someone who was like, we got to go 100. We got to do a full point. But no, someone was actually like, "Nah, maybe we should only do 50. I'm glad they did 75. The market reacted the way you would want the market to react. Like I said, we saw a little bit of dip in mortgage rates. We saw just some good news across the board. The market was happy with that decision. And I don't want to get too much into what Powell said, because we could do an entire podcast on that. And I do want to keep it. We got our normal time between 15 and 20 minutes, but he did address housing. And this is the Markets and Mortgages podcast. So housing is what we are concerned about, and there's a lot of concern about these rising rates and what that's going to do to home prices and the home affordability and just the overall housing market. And no, I don't think the housing market's gonna crash. It's so funny because everybody, and I mean everyone, on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Do yourself a favor. If someone is telling you the housing market is on the verge of a crash, try and find some of their old stuff. First of all, if they're new, just disregard them completely. Obviously, I'm somewhat new. You should listen to me. But other new people, they're dumb. All right. I'm smart. (laughs) You should not listen to them. But if you can go back and find stuff, because the majority of the people that are calling the crash they've been calling for a crash for like seven years. I mean, I'm not even joking about that. I mean, there are people who have been calling for a housing bubble since 2015. And that's human nature because the last economic downturn, besides the pandemic, was a housing crash. And so before we had the housing crash, throughout the 2000s, everyone was concerned about tech stocks blowing up again because the last crash was the dot-com burst. And so what happens is whenever a black swan event happens, Everyone then gets convinced that another black swan event is going to happen, and it could happen, but it's not going to be housing. As I've said this many a times, it's always the place you're not looking. So nobody ever thought tech stocks were going to blow up. No one ever thought housing was going to blow up. So now that we know that they can blow up, we're watching them. We're keeping an eye on them. And you might say, well, Tyler, these tech stocks are all fault. Okay, fine. But it's not dot-com level. You know, Tesla and Netflix and Facebook and Amazon, all these all these stocks dropping. And sure, they've, they've seen a huge drop, but it's not the dot-com bubble when these companies just all went under at the same time. I mean, these companies aren't going under. They're having to evaluate their balance sheets and finding ways to cut costs and layoffs and saving money here. Where they, okay, that's fine. But it's not the dot-com where they all just like, oh, it turns out making money is somewhat important. And that's not saying that's going to happen. Of course, that might happen. There are a lot of these innovative stocks, these growth stocks that really don't make a lot of sense when you actually, when their growth starts slowing and all of a sudden it's like, wait, there was no business model? It was just growth, 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 growth and you were spending more on consumer acquisitions than those consumers were actually spending? That's a problem. And so that that, that could happen, but for the most part, these companies are still solvent, they're still operating. It's not the dot com. And so the last crash was housing and so everyone's convinced housing is gonna happen again because that's human nature. We always look to the last crash and think that's going to happen again. It's the thing where that's why I've always said it's if something's going to happen, it's not going to be housing. I I still think it's corporate debt and some of these companies and these zombie companies out there that especially after the pandemic and how easy it was to borrow in these companies that should have gone under and were allowed to borrow money and stay and, and stay solvent. And now all of a sudden these loans are resetting. They can't issue new debt and they're going to have some problems. The corporate debt market is where you should be looking. That impacts everything. But I don't think there's any one particular sector, maybe travel, maybe, but it's not going to be housing. And, and and Powell actually addressed housing. He was asked by uh, Mark Hamrick over at Bank Rate. And I want to thank Bill McBride over at the Calculated Risk blog. He actually transcribed this, or at least he, he posted it. Maybe he got it from somewhere else. But he but Mark Hamrick asked this question to Jerome Powell at the press conference after the rate hike announcement. And he was asking about what's going to happen with housing. And here's what Powell said. This is, I think, important. Rates were very low. A good place to start is rates were very low for quite a while because of the pandemic. And, you know, the need to do everything we could to support the economy when employment was 14 percent and the true unemployment rate was well higher than that. And I do think a lot of people have forgotten because inflation is awful. It sucks. But people forget how awful deflation is and the pandemic and the shutdowns were a deflationary event. And the Fed was like, we are not going to allow deflation to happen. That would be catastrophic. And so they pumped the economy full of money and they should have taken that money out earlier. I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone arguing the contrary to that. But I still think high inflation is a better alternative to a deflationary environment. And any economist will back me up. People are much smarter than me that can explain to you why that actually is with historical data. So Powell continues saying now they are coming back up talking about rates. Now they're coming back up to more normal or above levels. So in the meantime, while rates were low and while demand was really high, prices were moving up very strongly an understatement for the last couple of years. So that changes now, he says, and rates have moved up. We are now aware that mortgage rates have moved up a lot and you are seeing a changing housing market. We are watching it to see what will happen. How much will it really affect residential investment? Not really sure. That's not that comforting. (laughs) He continues saying, how much will it affect housing prices? Not really sure. Also not that comforting <laughs> Obviously, we are watching that quite carefully. You think over time, there's a tremendous amount of supply in the housing market of unfinished homes. And as those homes come online, whereas the supply of finished homes, inventory of finished homes for sale is incredibly low, historically low. So it's a very tight market. So prices might keep going up for a while, even in a world where rates are up. And you're seeing that, right? Rates are jumping and there's still demand out there. And we're gonna talk about that in a second. So it's a complicated situation, and we watch it very carefully. And here's the real takeaway that everyone in sort of the housing industry took away from this I'd say if you're a home buyer, somebody or a young person looking to buy a home, you need a bit of a reset. Uh oh, conspiracy theories unite. Great reset. We need to get back to a place where supply and demand are back together. And where inflation is down low again and mortgage rates are low again. Now, I don't think he thinks rates are going to two and a half percent, but threes, fours, I think is what I've heard from a lot of people is where it's sort of the normal rate might be. This will be a process, Powell said, where by idly we do our work in a way where the housing market settles in a new place and housing and credit availability are at appropriate levels. So that was Powell talking about the housing sector, which like I said, I mean, it's it's we're getting back to a more normalized market and things have been so overheated for almost you know over two years that I think a lot of people in the housing sector, especially new people, and I'm one of them. But, you know, I mean, obviously, as someone who's looked at the economy for many years and talked about it, you understand that we're moving back to a more normalized economy with regards to housing and that to people who have never experienced it is going to seem like a slowdown. And in some cases, like Armageddon, <laughs> especially where rates are people, have never, people, have been people could have been in the business for over 10 years and have never seen rates this high. Right. I mean, I, I actually, I think the last time we've seen rates this high, I think was in 2000 and so 20 some years. And so it's understandable why people are getting concerned, but pals like, listen, demand was incredibly hot. Things are slowing down. We want to see a balance of supply and demand. And I think we all want that. But it's just funny that all the people who are claiming that, oh my gosh, housing is just skyrocketing. We need to slow it down. And now we finally slowed it down. And those same people were like, oh, here comes the crash. It was like, what did you think was going to happen when you were demanding that they slow prices? Prices are going to slow. <laughs> and then they start slowing and it's like, here's Armageddon. Oh my, it, listen, the crash bros, we'll be able to find data. And actually, I'm sorry. That's a lie. There's no data. It's just made up theory. Oh, look at this and look at this and look at this chart and they just and they and they'll shrink the chart so that it's it looks catastrophic. And then you take it out like 5 years and you're like, "What? That's that looks like a no- normal housing market. What do you what, how's that a crash?" <laughs> no, don't look at the larger chart. Don't do that. And here, here's a great example. So we got mortgage demand data early Wednesday morning. It got overshadowed by everything else, the retail sales and, and uh, the home builder confidence and, of course, the Fed decision. But I want to talk about mortgage demand because this to me was, was very fascinating because a lot of people in CNBC, they're not above it. I mean, their headline was you know demand continues to fall. But it didn't fall. It, it, it increased for the first time in five weeks. Mortgage demand was up 6.6% week to week. It was up 6 percent and i understand that rates have seen a huge jump this last week but they were already high last week and so we were seeing an increase in demand because there's still demand for housing but that's not the narrative you got to sell the doom and gloom and oh no here comes the housing crash so the purchase index was up eight percent week over week that did not make a lot of headlines And year over year, it's only down 16%. Now, I say only down 16% because, I mean, rates are up. So according to this report, the 30-year fix, this is from the Mortgage Bankers Association. The Mortgage Bankers Association priced a 30-year fixed mortgage for the week ending June 10th at 5.65%. That was up 25 basis points from the week before. That's a big jump. And that is up to over. 250 basis points from a year ago. I mean, that is an insane jump. Like from a st- from a percentage standpoint, we've never seen a jump that high year over year. Never. I mean, we've seen 250 basis points probably, but that's when rates were at like 10, 12%. But to go from in the threes to over five and a half, we've never seen that before. I mean, that that, that that's, that's a 100% jump. And yet, demand's only down sixteen (laughs) percent. That that that's the story. But no one's reporting on that because that's not doom and gloom. That's like, oh, that's oh wow, the purchase market's still somewhat standing strong. So you got oh no, it's actually down year over year by sixteen percent. Oh oh, and refis, which by the way, we're up four percent week over week. (laughs) I don't know who's refining, but somehow it was up four percent. It's seventy six percent lower. I will continue to argue how it's not 100% lower. I am amazed by that. The refinance share of mortgage activity decreased to 31.7% of total apps, down from 32.2% the week before, and arms decreased again. It's like the third or fourth week in a row that arms have decreased. If you've noticed, for a while there, we were seeing all these articles about arm usage was increasing, and you're not seeing that anymore because it's not. And they just like moved on. <laughs> like that, was, that was the next thing that was going to cause the crash. And then it turned out that all of a sudden arms were moving along with rates and it wasn't desperation like we saw during the subprime crisis. So they just moved on. They just completely forgot about arms and how they were growing in popularity. They don't care about because arm the arm rate, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, they priced a 5-1 arm at 4.57 percent. That was up six basis points from the week prior. So some people are like, eh, maybe I'm not going to do an arm, and so activity's decreasing, and that didn't make any headlines. None of these, none of these kind of silver linings. I mean, the whole report, in my opinion, was pretty impressive. A 25 basis point increase in rates, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, and you see purchase jump eight percent, and refis jump four. I'm sorry, that's not a doom and gloom report. Now could next week's report be horrific because of the big jump we saw this week in rates? Absolutely. But I'm not going to guess. I'm here is the data. I'm looking at the data as we have right now. And that's a pretty good report. Now, what was not such a good report to close things out this got all the attention was home builder confidence. Now, of course, home builder confidence is directly correlated to what's happening with rates. Rates are jumping up. Builders are getting a little worried because, you know, they're building a home. Someone's going to buy it. Most people, of course, maybe they can lock in. But because of how long it's taking to build these homes, people's locks are expiring and they have to get a new lock because extending it might be way too pricey. So they're like, all right, we have to get a new lock. Now, all of a sudden, they're looking at a much higher rate. And some people might say, well, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) and they're worried about potential buyers. And that was actually the big reason for home builder confidence decline. So overall, the overall index, the National Association of Home Builders and the Wells Fargo Housing Market Index fell more than expected. That's not good. It was supposed to fall to 68 from 69 the previous month. It fell to 67 in June. So that's not good. I'm not gonna try and sugarcoat it. That, not good. Of course, remember, 50 is kind of the, the... Break-even point. Anything under 50, now we have some problems, which a little foreshadowing there. The homebuilder confidence is now down 14 points from last year when it was 81. So sure, but remember, 81, Remember if you remember in 2021, we were seeing homebuilder confidence at levels never before reported. And I think the homebuilder confidence has been around for, I'm gonna say 20 years, maybe 30, let's just say 20 years, never before. I mean, never seen these levels before. And so it's like, yeah, sure, we're going to fall from the all-time highs. But remember, 50 is the break-even point. So we're still well above that. That is good news. But here is the troubling part, the foreshadowing. All major indices, which they use to judge the overall index, fell in June. Most notable was the component that charts the traffic of prospective buyers. That fell five points to 48. Ugh, that's that's not good. <laughs> I'm not going like, to sugarcoat it. I'm going to give you the data. That's 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 not good. Homebuilders are worried about future buyers. Now, this is the first time this gauge has fallen below the level of 50 since June 2020. The index gauging current sales conditions fell 1.77. That's pretty good. And the gauge-measuring sales expectations in the next six months fell two points to 61. So sure, that traffic future buyers, that's worrisome. And regionally, once again, the South, yeah baby, uh, has taken the top spot. (laughs) Uh, Even though they saw a two-point decline, they're still at 78. 78, home Builder Confidence, 78 in the South. Now that is the lowest level since July 2020, which just goes to show you how hot the market has been in the South. The West saw a nine-point decline to 74. The Northeast was down one point to 74. And the Midwest, which at one point was crazy hot, has now dropped six points. They're at 56. So they have another bad month. They could drop below that break-even point, which is why you've seen some people talk about the Midwest may be experiencing somewhat of a correction in home prices. But here's what's weird about this is that if home builders start freaking out and stop building, that's going to create a problem with inventory. Because as pal said, right, all these unfinished homes. And once they get finished, and they come in the market. We're going to have more inventory. That's going to ease price pressures. And so that should lower prices. But if at the same, because this is what happened in 2008, right? Everyone stopped building. And then we finally, the chickens came home to roost. and It took a while. But that's precisely what we saw when the pandemic hit. Everyone wanted to buy a home and there were no homes available. And so I wonder what's going to happen in the Midwest. Sure, things are cooling. But if at the same time you're also seeing a bigger cooling in home building, now all of a sudden you don't have as many homes. And so, you know, the market does what it does. That's that's what I'm saying. Uh, Robert Dietz, the chief economist over at the NAHB, said the housing market is facing both demand and supply side challenges, saying in a statement, residential construction material costs are up 19%, which I think at one point was even higher. Lumber has fallen pretty drastically. So up 19% year over year with cost increases for a variety of building inputs, except for lumber, which has experienced recent declines due to a housing slowdown. On the demand side of the market, the increase for mortgage rates for the first half of 2022 has priced out a significant number of prospective homebuyers as reflected by the decline for the traffic measure of the HMI. So this got a lot of attention, but really you got to look at the numbers and you're like, sure, we've fallen and we're getting levels that we haven't seen since 2020. But remember, we got, we went parabolic after 2020, after I should say, after things started opening back up and work from home became really big. And so we reached levels we'd never seen before at home building. So, sure, home building is down, but it's down in comparison to record highs. And so that's very important to remember. So it's down, but it's still above the break even point. The Midwest even for now. <laughs> we'll see what happens the next month. So, like I said, all in all, I think we got good news. We got Powell saying, hey, listen, we're following real estate, but we're hoping this is going to cool off the housing market because that will avoid a crash. I mean, that's the whole benefit of what Powell is doing. He's raising rates to stop demand. So, demand is supposed to be falling. It's not a sign of a crash. That's what raising rates are supposed to do. I feel like Chris Rock and that, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you don't get a cookie for that. Demand is supposed to be falling and that will allow inventory to catch up. And then let's say we do hit a recession and the Fed says, okay, hey, we're going to maybe lower rates now. That will then get some of those buyers off the sidelines, some price reductions with lowering rates, home affordability drops. And so that's a benefit. And then on top of it, we got mortgage demand actually increasing, kind of impressive. And home builder confidence, sure, it's down, but it's down from an all-time high. So don't believe the doom and gloomers. I have the data. All right, I'm not just making stuff up. I'm not saying, oh, look, look at this little tiny chart I made. No, no, this is actual data telling you what is actually happening. Are things slowing? Yes. Are they supposed to be? Yes. That's what Powell's trying to do. It's not the end of the world. We're going to our normal housing market. Oh, my gosh. A normal housing market. That's not allowed. We're only allowed crashes. And record hot housing market there's no in between (laughs) we're like san francisco super super rich super super poor there's nothing in between nothing is allowed all right we got to go you guys enjoy your thursday we'll see you back here friday morning for my favorite edition of the markets and mortgages podcast and remember as always do not wait to buy real estate you buy real estate and wait